It's a, a little bit different this morning, this service, and I, I just want to say that um, I even told Lori, I said, this is kind of message that I'm doing this morning. This is different from what I normally do. And, uh, and, but I just, I just want to encourage you this morning. I just really want to commend you. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. And, and I really want to honor you this morning because I am so uh, impressed with, with what God is doing in, in you. Um, you know, as a pastor, I, I mean that. Uh, God has challenged us over the last uh, probably seven, eight years, and, uh, and just to see how you guys respond has been, has been awesome. Um, open your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In May of 2007, uh, God brought me back here to be the, the lead pastor here, and uh, I was following in the footsteps of an awesome pastor. It's awesome to have Brandon here. Brandon is uh, one of the sons of that awesome pastor. I had no idea he'd be here. You could ask first service, Brandon. I said the same thing first service, all right? This is not because Brandon's here. But Pastor Greg um, was a mentor, was a friend, and, and just an awesome pastor that, that I was able to serve five years under before we went to the mission field, and God brought us back here. And, and when God brought me back here, uh, my family and I, I remember saying, God, what on earth are you bringing me back here for? Following in the footsteps of, of, of a pastor like Pastor Greg is not an easy thing to do. He was a good pastor. I'm not. Like, he knows people's names. I am terrible at people's names. Like, he, just, he was just good at what he did, and I remember saying, God, like, how on earth do I come in and fill the shoes of this man, and, and why would you bring me, like, bring somebody else, and I just felt like God said, Selwyn, I want you to mobilize this church and take them to war. Now, being a former soldier, that kind of resonated with my heart, and, and, and again, when we say war, you know, let me just be clear, war for Christians is leading people to life and light and salvation in Jesus Christ. To me, that is the combat of Christians, to get as many and take as many lives as we can to get saved and, and have the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, um, which I think is a wonderful war. And, and so Father God just said, someone, I want you to mobilize this church and, and, and take them to war. And, and even as I, as I thought about that, that, what that meant, the scripture we just read in 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18, I felt like really kind of capitalized on what that means in verse 18, where it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. And so God was calling us to, to, to greater action. He was calling us beyond the four walls of this church. It was a call not just beyond the four walls of this church, but beyond the four walls of our lives. Over the 88 years of life this church has had, it's had tremendous pastors, 
And it's had some struggles. It's had ups and it's had downs. There have been wonderful seasons of this church. It's not that the other seasons were anything less, but that this was saying, God was saying, this is the season for this church to get out beyond these four walls. And, and really, when you talk about a church moving beyond the four walls, we have to understand that the church is not a building. The church really isn't just the corporate group of gathering people. The church is people. It boils down to individuals. And so to get the church beyond the four walls, it means that each individual within that church has to move beyond their four walls, their four boundaries. We all have boundaries that we kind of put up that exist in our lives. And so as I was wrestling with God in all of this, I felt like God was saying, man, you've got to be more than about just writing checks for missions. It's got to be personal. It requires a, a personal commitment. It requires a personal sacrifice. And by personal, I mean it comes down to you, to you individually. I think so many times it's easy for us to sit in the church and say, well, what is the board saying? And what is the pastor saying? And what are we doing, you know, collectively? And I agree with this, and I think we should have a new program. And so many times it's so easy to come up and suggest programs that we should run. Let me tell you, programs start with you, Right? I mean, honestly, we're not interested in running any programs. We're interested behind the, in the hearts behind the passion that says, hey, the reason why this program is important is because this is how it transforms and saves lives and leads people to Christ. And so, honestly, it boils down to you who are sitting in the pew. You guys are the core of this church. And God says, man, let's mobilize the people. I sometimes you sit back and go, well, when the church goes this direction, then I'll jump in that ministry. No, no. Man, if God says and lays something on your heart, he's telling you to go for it. Don't wait on the church. Man, we're organizing all kinds of things. And so, so God was telling us, man, he wants to mobilize the people in a greater way, meaning greater action from us corporately and greater action from us individually in neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our world. And God gave me some scriptures that really began to challenge me and, and honestly scared me and made me look at myself. Have you ever had that t- times where God has this laid scripture on your heart where you go, man, I don't think I even like what I'm reading because it really says not a whole lot of good things about me. Because if this is true and this is how I'm supposed to be living, ah, this is painful. I mean, I know, don't you wish that God's scripture was all like just scripture that says, hey, you're doing a great job, Right? See, the reason why we believe that the, 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 the scriptures are inspired by God is because, you know what? There are a lot of things in there that I wish weren't in there because they'd make, a whole lot of, make my life a whole lot easier. But the reality of it is, is, man, when we start taking things out of Scripture, we always take out the things that have a negative effect on us, right? I mean, things that encourage me, I never take that out of Scripture. Things that make me feel good about myself, I never say that's not from God. It's always the things that say, hey, someone, you need to check yourself in this area, right? So we can't pick and choose. And so we look at this, we go, man, this is wonderful things in Scripture. And there are things in Scripture that, man, challenge my life. And the things in Scripture that say, someone, you're sinning when you do this. Well, it feels good when I do this. It doesn't matter. It's sin. And so... Anyway, I'm getting off track. God just gave me this, 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 this particular scripture, and, and it's a scripture that I preached on years ago, and I've preached on often. It was one of my favorite, but one of the most challenging. It comes from Isaiah, Isaiah 58. And, uh, and again, it, it challenged me as an individual, but it challenged me as a pastor as well. Because I, I, when I read this, I had to look at myself, and then I had to look at, honestly, not just church as a whole, I had to look at this church. I had to look at where we are and say, okay, are we living like this? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 58 with me. I don't have a PowerPoint unless our gurus back there throw it up. But Isaiah 58 says this, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. 
For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And so God laid that passage on my heart, and, and, and it just began to bother me, saying, okay, we really a church that lives and looks like this? Am I really a person that looks like this? Or am I more self-centered? I mean, this church has always been a church that does wonderful things. We've always been a church that supported missions and, and done things, but has it, is it really coming from our heart? You know, sometimes if you do things long enough, it ceases to be a heart thing and becomes just a check-the-box thing. Sometimes you do things long enough, before long you lose your heart behind it. Even as Tim was praying this morning when it comes to tithing, sometimes tithing can be nothing more than paying a bill. Sometimes tithing, if you're like me, I have it on my automatic, not my automatic, but I have it on my, on my list of, of bills, on my banking. I do online banking and I go through and I put it in. It's so easy for it to go, hey, wait a second. This is just paying another bill. But God says, no, it's an act of worship for us. You know, it's so easy for us just to begin, start coming to church time after time. and Before long, church becomes about us. Before long, it's really about, do I like the worship that I'm hearing? Do I like the message that I'm hearing? Are the seats comfortable? Is it pleasing to me? And over time, church can become a club if we're not careful. It becomes basically where we come and we feed and we basically get fat. Because when you feed, you're supposed to, when you receive from God, you're supposed to take what you receive, use it for yourself, but also give out to other people. Otherwise, it turns into this kind of thing. Let me tell you what happens to a church that begins to take and take and take and feed and feed and feed, and they, 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 they cease to look beyond the four walls of, of the church. It becomes a, a church where basically people become selfish. You start hearing complaints about, you know, I don't think I like the worship. It doesn't make me feel good when I worship this way. Or, or I don't like the songs that we sing. Or I don't like the way the preacher dresses. He should wear a suit. 
Nobody says that. We'll pray for Nick in a little bit. But it becomes this kind of church where we start saying, hey, listen, this is what I expect. And and honestly, we we go to church to receive a service, to be served, and not really to, to, to give out anything. And worship becomes about what we like. And so what happens in a church like that, you know what, before long, you start arguing with other people because somebody likes one thing and you like something different. It becomes about who's right and who's wrong. And then we go to the pastor and say, hey, listen, you know, justify me and my selfishness and tell them it's about me and what I like. And, and, and what happens at business meetings and churches like that, arguments spring up. Then, honestly, if the finances get low, and heaven forbid, that happens in a church where it's all about me because then we get really upset because even though we're nonprofits, we want big bank accounts. Somehow this makes sense, Right? And we're a church, and God's given us, us his money for us to store up and, and make ourselves happy and comfortable. And in a church where, where we're not looking outside beyond the four walls, it becomes really an unhealthy breeding ground. And honestly, lives that are all about self honestly breed well in that kind of unhealthiness. But let me tell you what happens when you start looking up beyond the four walls. When you start looking about the person next to you, you start caring about the things that God cares about, your whole vision changes. And when your vision changes, your heart changes. And honestly, what that does for a church is incredible. See, when you come into a church and you go, you know what, this may be not my style of worship, but I can see it's really reaching these people and it's making a difference for them. And if God is using it to build them, then I'm going to be okay with it because I can worship God anywhere. As a seasoned Christian, my worship doesn't just take place in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. My worship takes place at home. My worship, and I can, I can put my own CDs on. If you like the Gaithers, you can put the Gaithers on. You can worship God but we start looking at other people, you start saying, you know, if they need this, if this is helping them, then I'm going to lay down what I think I need for myself because it's really not about me. It's about worshiping God. The same thing happens when it comes to our own creature comforts and the messages and other things. And when we start looking at that, we start caring about other people and other needs that they have as long as people are being reached for Christ. And a church that begins to look like that and think like that, they care more about other people. We start going beyond our four walls. And when you get, go to, to business meetings and, you, and the finances go low, the questions are more like, well, what are we doing with the finances? And if they're going to help people, then, hey, it's a good thing. And people, in a church like that, when you see finances built up in the bank accounts, they ask questions like, why do we have all this money here? How can we have all this money here when there are hurting people around the world? How does this make sense? And the, the heart of a church begins to transform when people start looking beyond themselves. And so... God began to lay this scripture on me and just began to say, Selwyn, is, is this really who you guys are? Those words repeating in my head, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so I was wrestling with God that first year. I felt like God just gave me one message after one message, just one week at a time. And, and for me, I like to plan things out, so it's a little frustrating for me. And I, I was saying, God, I really want to get a, a, a better picture here. I don't want to go week to week. Can you give me your vision for this church that it comes from you. I don't want to just come up with some smart, clever, clever vision that, that sounds good. I really want to hear what you were saying and articulate it well to your people so we can move towards this. And, and after about a year of just struggling and wrestling with God and him keeping me on my face, one, uh, one Thursday, it was actually May 29th in 2008, and I don't forget it because I was sitting on the front porch of the old parsonage just praying uh, and, and beginning to read this book, and God just dropped the, that Luke 10, 27 vision in my heart. If you know Luke 10, 27, it actually comes from the story of the Good Samaritan, and I'm going to preach about that next week. But, but the, the Luke 10, 27, the actual verse says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And you look at me and you go, well, that's not rocket science, so and that's a pretty, you know, that's pretty broad that covers basically the gospel, and that's basically the Great Commission there, if we would truly, truly live like this. But I felt like God just said, so and this is the heart that I want this church to have. This is what I'm calling him to. And then not only did he just give me that, but, but God began to kind of lay out a plan and a process and a procedure in this vision, all while I was sitting on the front porch. Our plan was simply to love people to life. Love people to life. You know, love doesn't mean condoning. I think sometimes we get the, the, the two confused. If I love this person, it means that I agree with how they're living. If you're a parent, you know that's not true, right? I can love my kids and hate what they do. Where's Courtney? No, I'm just kidding. She's going to kill me that. But you know what I mean? Like, like you love your kids, but I don't like your attitude. Courtney doesn't have an attitude. But I can love my kids or, 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 or do this. But sometimes your kids take the wrong paths in life, right? They do some things. They get addicted to things, and it breaks your heart. Do you stop loving them? Absolutely not. Do you condone what they're doing? No. But man, you want to love on them, and, 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 just, and, and, and you want to see them do well. And, and so, you know what? To love people to life, that means we can love people that we don't agree with. doesn't mean that we condone what they do. It just means that we can love on them, and we can point them to Christ and so God says, basically, your process, someone, looks like loving, serving, and leading. And then he just laid out this procedure. He said, someone, let me put it to you this way. Loving God, if you truly love God, it leads to loving people. See, because if you love God and connect with God, you connect to his heart because God loved the world so much he sent his son to die for us that we might live, whoever believes in him might, might, might receive life and, and live for him, Right? And, and if we love God, then we love everything about him, and then we love his heart. And so loving God looks and leads to loving people. It's impossible to love God and hate people. It just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. And so loving God, we, we, when that is lived out, that love isn't just talked about, it's not just quoted, it's not just simply words, but that love of God lived out in our lives looks like a love for people, and not just people we get along with and not just people that we like, and not just people that we agree with. And sometimes it means like you love people who, who have other political beliefs than you do, and other thoughts than you do. It doesn't mean you agree, it doesn't mean you condone, but it means that loving God leads to loving people. And when you truly love people, it leads to serving people. Love leads to serving people. It leads, it leads, it leads to, to serving them when you lay your life down for them. I, I talked for service about, about a car wash we did uh, years ago. How many of you guys remember? Um, it's probably, the church has changed so much in, in, in eight years. But how many people remember that free car wash we did? Does anybody remember that? A couple of you guys remember that free car wash we did. We, we had this idea, like, you know, we're just going to love the community. We're going to do a free car wash. And if you understand, you know, free car wash in church speak, that means car wash for a donation, right? Nothing's ever free. We just don't want to tell you what your donation is so that you'll give more, you know. There's angles behind everything. But we decided we're going to have a free car wash. It's going to be really free. It's, we're, not going to, we're not giving out um, any kind of, of, of uh, paperwork or, or uh, advertising the church or anything. We're just going to say, we're not accepting donations. We're going to have a totally free car wash. And if people say, why are you doing this? We just say, hey, Jesus loves you. That's it. So do we. We're just loving you like he loves. And we, we said this is going to be a modern-day foot washing. You know, feet, were, they didn't have cars back in Jesus' time. They had feet, and we still have feet, but we don't walk like they did. Well, our feet today really look like, more like cars, so we're going to wash people's feet and washing their cars, and we don't even know who these people are. And so we did this. We had, we had, a, we had a bake sale, except it was a bake-free, I guess, and, and we had, had, had soda, we had all this stuff, and people began to come in, and we began to wash their cars, and then they tried to give us donations, and we actually told people, 
you have to refuse the donation. Do not accept it. If they want to give money, go down to Father Bill's and give it to the homeless shelter. Go find some other church and give it to. But you are not taking anything here because that just negates what we're doing. And, and it was funny. We had a hard time doing that. People didn't like receiving free stuff from us. They were like, no, I have to give. Some people got kind of a little bit irritated. Like, I've got to give. We're like, can't help you. We're not taking money from you. Well, why are you doing this? Jesus loves you. Oh, I don't want to hear that, you know? Because after, well, well, you know, and then we'd say, you want a brownie? Well, how much is that? Well, that's free too. And, and then, and, and some people just loved it, right? We, I remember one person, he's like, well, can I take some brownies home for my wife? We're like, sure, why not? We're loading them up. And, and you know what the cool thing about it was, was that what, what um, Ed, Ed, he's not Ed Senior, he's actually Ed Junior, but, but the, Ed, the Ed Seniors, we know Ed Senior, Ed Senior Tusi. Yeah, or Ed Tusi Senior. He was here, and he said something, pretty sure it was him. He said, man, so I've never seen cars look so good. And I'm not kidding you. Like, we weren't waxing them, but they old beaters drove in, and they looked like they were driving off a brand new car lot when they left. They were shining. I think God was doing something in, in, as we were watching, but we weren't doing like, anything spectacular. But they looked really, really good. And people would drive away. They'd blow their horn and wave and smile and just like, like we were best friends. And we just simply said, we wanted them to wrestle with the idea, hey, listen, there are no strings attached. We're not even trying to promote the church. We're just saying, Jesus loves you, and so do we. And we're just serving you. And you know what? People had to drive away from that and wrestle with that. And if God put a, a thought in their mind, you know, the Holy Spirit can do a whole lot with that when you just surrender your life and you start serving people. And so they had to drive away and kind of wrestle. Why would somebody do this? How does this make any sense? This actually cost the money to make brownies and sodas and actually to wash this car. There wasn't no, no street. How does this make sense? You know, when you love people, it naturally leads to serving people. And when you serve people, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in the midst of that. He will say things to those people that you can't say. He will communicate his love for them, and he will begin to express them how Jesus loves them so much that he died for them, that they might live and have life. And the Holy Spirit goes so far beyond what you were doing. You see, we're, we're called to be Jesus with flesh on. We're called to go out and lay our lives down. And so loving God, true loving God, the love of God leads to a true loving of people. And a true love of people leads to serving people. And when you serve people, you will lead them to Christ. Do you know why? Because they start asking questions. Why would you do something like this? Let me tell you, when someone asks you a question like that, their guard comes down. And it gives you an opportunity to say, listen, let me just tell you what Jesus did for me. This is what he's done for me. And, 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 and out of my love for him, my love for you, I want you to experience in your life just a portion of what God's done in mine. I don't have to convince you. If you'll just experience a little bit of what God's done in your life, the way he's done it in my life, I don't have to tell you anything. I have never argued anyone to Christ. I, it's just it's pointless. And, and then, then it comes this personal thing like I'm trying to win some argument, which is just stupid. But... Really what it's about is, all I want is this. I don't have to convince anybody. If they actually experience in their life what God has done in my life, and they do it for their own, they won't walk away from him. They just won't. And so when you really tr- truly serve people, you actually, it leads them to God. Because they start asking questions. It opens up the door for conversations. Not when you hammer home and, and, and try and seal the deal. You just have a conversation. Tell me who Jesus is in your life. And so loving people leads to serving people, which leads people to loving God. And when they start loving God, and they've got your example of how you've loved God and Christ's example, chief of all, then their loving of God leads to loving people. And their loving of people, and the whole process repeats itself. And Jesus told us to do this. He said, listen, I died for you and I gave you life. Now, you go and die for people and they'll receive life. 
You lay your life down for them as I laid my life down for you. And they'll come to know me and I'll give them life. And this thing continues. See, you remove that, 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 that you suddenly insert selfishness into that, into that whole process. It eliminates the whole process. It kills everything. The minute you put me into it and what's best for me, everything ends. It's like a domino that's removed from that domino effect and everything stops. Because all of a sudden you've taken yourself and you've elevated yourself higher than Christ. And so God says, man, this is what I've called you to do. So God just began to drop all of this. And, uh, and uh, 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 the, basically my life as I was sitting down writing this stuff down, and I, I took this vision to the board and this process to the board. Actually, I called Pastor Rennie right away. I was like, Rennie, you got to hear this. Like, you know I'm not this smart. This comes from God. I couldn't come up with this. And then we took it to the board, and the board really got behind it. And, and more importantly, honestly, you guys got behind it. Uh, not behind it mentally, not behind it because, oh, someone's got this good vision. You actually heard what God was saying. And over the last few years, I've just seen what God has done in your lives. And, and, and the same scriptures that used to challenge me in Isaiah 58 were saying, man, are we living like this? Actually bring me joy when I, when I look at this church and, and I look at your lives. Guys, you're not perfect. Your pastor's not perfect. We've got a lot of work to do. We know that. Um, it's, not, it's not over, but I just want to say how much I appreciate um, what God has done in your lives and, and, and what you guys have done. I, I, want, I don't want to bore you, but I just want to list a few of these things that I feel are significant. O- over the last seven, eight years, you've done several Rock the Beaches, which has been, been pretty cool. One of the most amazing things I think I see you guys do is every Easter, I don't even know how many years we've been doing the Easter outreach, but it's been a few years, we now have 80 to 100 volunteers um, and you guys give up your entire Easter Sunday. You know, especially in New England, we're like tradition in New England, but, but you guys are walking away from family meals and family gatherings. Some of you guys are at the field as early as 5.36 in the morning, and you don't get home till 6 p.m. at night. You give up your entire Easter, and, and you just serve and love, and you do it with a smile on, on your face. The last two Easter uh, outreaches, we've had over 1,500 at each one, and you guys have been giving to these people, and you do it joyfully. And I love it, the fact that you celebrate Easter by laying down your life for other people. You celebrate Easter the way Jesus celebrated Easter. He died to himself. He died in a cross that others might live. And I appreciate how you guys go and do that. You've done toy works. We've turned our basement into a toy store. And you've, you've brought in families who, and parents that couldn't afford toys for their kids. And we didn't just give them toys. They got to walk around and shop in the basement free of charge for toys, brand new toys, and take them to their kids and you guys did that. The, the countless homeless feedings we've done over the years, um, you've poured into a, a small village in Haiti, and you've made a difference in Haiti. Uh, wh- wh- some of you have never been there, and some of you have been there. But you've helped, you've had a major part in building an orphanage for some boys who, who wouldn't have a home to live in. Not only did you build it, but then you added to it when, when, when their numbers grew. You've sponsored kids in Haiti. You actually, because of your giving, um, t- and, and through 1027 Projects, you're feeding these kids every single month. You're paying for the salary of their house parents to be in that, in that orphanage. Um, you, many of you have gone down to Haiti by yourselves. You've held these kids in your laps. You've built relationships with them, and you love them like your own kids, and you support them. And I just can't tell you how much that blesses me. And it's not just that orphanage. It's that community in Marbiel and Haiti that we go year after year to. By the way, we're going again next end of next summer. Just throw that in there. Um, in, in India, there's another orphanage that we're helping get off the ground. We support them monthly. Some of us have already been over there, and we plan on sending teams in there as well. 
Uh, there's another orphanage in Kenya. We've done just, uh, just one small thing, but we're planning on doing some more with them soon. Um, there are countless 1027 projects that you guys have gotten behind from, from, from Bibles to teens in South Africa to help build and extend a church in South Africa to places, honestly, all over the, play, all over the world um, that I don't have time to get in this morning. But you guys have done that. Your own personal sponsorship of, of, of children. We sponsor, I think, over 47 children in, in that one community in Haiti, and you guys do that on top of your missions giving, on top of everything else that you do. The young adults have raised almost $20,000 for a well in Kenya, in the Rift Valley. When Pastor Rennie came up to me and said, hey, someone, I've got this idea. I really feel like God wants us to build a well or dig a well, however you want to put it, in Kenya. I thought, man, if you guys know anything about wells, that's not cheap. It's not just the well, it's the maintenance of the well, it's doing it right. There's a lot, and like, we just feel like God says, we're to do it. And I said, man, if you feel like God is saying this, and let's do it. But $20,000 later, they've done it. It's not complete yet, but we are, are probably within $5,000 of getting that knocked out. And I know we can add some 1027 project money to it and get it knocked out. And, and, but this is the hearts of our young adults. Our children's church, I'm amazed at our children. I mean, granted, they're taking the money from your pockets. I don't think any of our kids are working full-time jobs. So the credit goes to you. But our kids are supporting BGMC in a way they never have before. I don't even know how many hundreds of dollars come in every single month. On top of that, they're supporting Judy Minch, a missionary, completely by themselves. That's the children doing that. And they're sponsoring, I think, three or four kids in Morbiel. All of this coming from our children, which is probably coming from your pockets. And last but not least... Over the last four or five years, we started off with Operation Christmas Child. You guys gave 60 boxes the first year. You gave 129 boxes the year after that. You gave 250 boxes the year after that. You gave 327 boxes this past year. And the count as of last night was 250, not counting all the boxes that you guys brought in today. Do you realize that over the course of five years, you have touched over 1,000 kids' lives through Operation Christmas Child? Over a thousand kids' lives. Do you know there could be over a thousand kids in heaven because you gave a Christmas box? Because you gave of your own time and money and put so much time into it. Our youth group alone packed 127. And most of them aren't working full time jobs. So, parents, I thank you too as well. And teens, I thank you for harassing your parents and getting it done. And some of our teens are working full time jobs and they're, or working jobs and they're investing their own money. And I think it's amazing. And I say all of this, not just to pat us on the back and make us feel good, but I don't often get up here and just say how proud I am of what God is doing in your lives. Because when I read Isaiah 58, what I see, what used to challenge me now, I see happening in the hearts of your people. I'm not looking for boxes to be checked. I'm not looking for religious action. I'm just looking to see what God has done in the hearts, and it's your hearts. I have never heard anyone come and say, oh, they've got another thing they want me to give to Ah, Christmas boxes. Don't we have our own children in this country that we need to take care of? You know, I haven't heard you guys say, and yes, we do. And do we do things like that? Yes, we do. But, but I just so appreciate your hearts. I want to go back to what Isaiah tells us. He says this, that when we live like this, right, when we actually, when, he, when, he gets, when God gets a hold of our hearts and, and, and our true fast looks like setting the oppressed free and helping the people out and feeding those who are hungry and clothing those who are naked. He says, when you start living like this, he goes, let me tell you what's going to happen in your own life. Let me tell you what will happen in your community. He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. He goes, your light will just start just piercing the darkness because it's a genuine, real light. It's not a light of words and talk. 
It's a light of action of heart. He is, your light will, will, will break forth like, like the dawn, like the sun rising in the morning out of, out of dark night, and your healing will quickly appear. Man, it's your light going forth. It's also personal. You'll be healed. And then you, your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. He goes and say, if you do away with a yoke of oppression and with a pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. And the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And my favorite part of all of this is this. You people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets with dwellings. And let me tell you, glad tidings, that's exactly what God is going to do in you. And that's exactly what God is going to do through you. He has called you to this. He has called us to to, to, to this moment, to this, to this place in time. But let me tell you something. Before he can really do all of this stuff that he said, he has to get your heart. It only comes through a surrendered heart. It has been said and prophesied, and, and, and we know God is going to do this, that the Holy Spirit is going to manifest his power and heal people and transform people and change people in a way that only the Holy Spirit can and let me tell you how that happens. It doesn't just happen here at these altars. It happens to the life of God's people. It happens and starts in them. When you have a surrendered heart to the things of God, who can say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And I'm going to lay down my creature comforts, my wants, my personal feeling. And I'm going to go after everything that God has. And when you have a life surrender like that, God begins to use you. The Holy Spirit can move through more powerfully in you. And let me tell you something. There's not anything more encouraging. When you go to speak, so you start speaking to someone who's really struggling and really hurting and really broken, who doesn't know Christ, and, and, and you begin to speak to them, and God begins to speak through you and begins to restore them, help them, heal them, and transform them, and set them free. Let me tell you, it's awesome. And God is saying, listen, if this church is going to move forward in God, it's going to happen because the people in this church are moving forward. It's not because the messages become more powerful, the worship becomes more intense, or whatever it may be. It's because of mobilization of people and God sending you out. I want to commend you. Last week we had a vote in this church, and there was one no vote. The rest were all yes to sell this building and trust God and move forward. And what God has told us in this is this. He, said, he basically said, listen, I'm going to continue doing things in this church God has told us clearly he wants us to have a bigger building. Why? Not for our own sake. It's got nothing to do with us having better parking or, or more comfortable pews or whatever. He says, no, I want this because I'm gonna, you, there's going to be a manifestation of my power. I'm going to be healing people, setting people free, and giving people life. And I want a place to put them. So we will never become about a building. We will always be about people and seeing them come to the knowledge and life and who Jesus Christ is. And a byproduct of that is going to be that God says, you need a new building. And so I get excited about that. I see, uh, you know, in a church that's been here for 88 years, to have a vote like that is crazy. That's a miracle. Because honestly, most churches would probably get to the point where they probably go, well, no, it's just too much sentimental, you know, attachment. And that's real. And I've got sentimental attachment. But when I see a church that says, no, it's not about that, it's about people. I'll never forget this church when we were struggling. We, we committed to give 10% of everything that came in to 1027 Projects. 
And those who don't know what 1027 Project is, is we take money and we, and we do things all over the world, but we can't get anything back. We just bless people and bless their ministries. We believe that the money here is God's money, not ours. And so if it's God's money, not ours, then it belongs in his kingdom, and his kingdom is all over this world. And so we find ministries that are hurting, and we get behind them. We can't get anything back from them. I'll never forget this church. When, when, because we've been doing this, our, our money had got lower and lower and lower. And we kept giving, basically giving out of what was in the bank account, because we couldn't do it, afford it month to month. And God just let the money get so low. It got down to like $7,000 in general fund. And that's basically, on a good Sunday, it's what you get in tithes and offerings. And, and it takes that to, just to make it. And then we had three snow Sundays where the church was canceled. And I thought, man, we're done. I want to be the pastor that killed the church, you know. Nobody wants to be that guy. But I was going to be that guy, you know. What is Pastor Greg going to say to me, right? And so I remember going, oh, man. And then, and then I felt like God was just dealing with someone on that. I've never been a guy that counts every nickel and dime. But thank God, in the next month, brought in $40,000 from, like, from basically nowhere. We didn't even, it wasn't even the horizon. But what I loved about it was at that business meeting, if you go to a business meeting, guys, that's a recipe for disaster. You go to the church and go, hey, we're down this much money. And normally, if it's a self-seeking church, people start criticizing and tearing you apart, and it gets ugly, and arguments start. You know what happened in this church? Well, can we raise our giving? Like, what's wrong with you people? Like, do you not hear what we're saying? But I loved it because it just showed the heart of, of, of what God has done in this church and the hearts of the people. And I think God took note that night of the hearts of his people, and that money came in, and God is using you guys. And I just want to commend you and praise you for what God has done in your lives. But I also want to say to you, you haven't seen anything yet. You have not seen anything yet. God is only beginning to do what he's promised to do. And he will do it through a surrendered life, a life that looks like yours. There are so many hurting and broken people in this world and in this place where God has put us. And God has put us in this place at this time. And God has said, listen, you take my light into this place. You take my light into your workplace. You take my light into your neighborhoods and into your families. And you will be called the restorer of broken walls, the rebuilder of ancient ruins. And God will do it again. Even as the Holy Spirit spoke to us this morning, he said, man, it is not through. It's not time to give up. The person who gave that message didn't know what my message was about. I was going to encourage you and challenge you guys. It is just beginning. The work is still there. But I want to tell you, if you will continue to surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, he will use you. He will manifest himself in your life and to people who are hurting and broken. And I want to challenge you this morning. To really say, God, this isn't just about a building. It's not about a corporate move. It's about me. How am I going to, to yield myself to you? At Christmas time, we love it. We talk about the light of the world that came, came into darkness, right? Jesus came as a light. Let me tell you, you can be that light this Christmas. And what I want to challenge each of you is this. Will you pray and ask God to identify one person in your life that's hurting? One person that he wants you to be intentional about reaching. I don't mean go kick their door in. I just mean go love them. You don't even have to agree with their actions. Just go love them. Go serve them. Go lay your life down for them. And just be intentional about, and trust God. You don't have to argue them. You don't have to be smarter than them. It's not about that. Just go and love on them. And let the Holy Spirit move and see what he does. Let me tell you what will happen if 300 people do that and they sincerely seek God and, and God's will is that none should perish. I believe that 300 people will get it have God identify somebody in their lives. And if you say, God, just show me the next step. 
and that person might say something to you, and you might be, def- you might be, it might just rub against you in the wrong way, and you, everything in you might say, man, I want to defend God. You don't need to defend the line of Judah. He's got it. He's okay. You don't have to back him up. If you just say, God, show me how you want me to handle this. And sometimes, sometimes our argument is more about our own personal pride than it is about anything else. If you say, God, just show me step by step how you want me to love this person. Tell me how you want me to move forward. And I believe God will use you and manifest his power. And you will bring that person the greatest gift that they've ever received. And that is the joy and peace that comes from Christ. And you will see someone who's broken and hurt and distraught come to joy and peace in knowing who Jesus is. Not because you're some great person. Not because you had some great tactical plan of how to witness to them. But simply because you loved them and then you moved obedience to God. And so I want to challenge you as I commend you this morning. God is not through using you yet. There are greater days ahead of us. God is not bringing us to a building that we can sit in it. God is bringing us to a building because he wants you, the royal priesthood, to go out and reach people for him. Amen? And I've gone long. I probably, will you stand to your feet this morning? And I just want to pray for you. And I want to thank you for being used by him. I want to ask if there are members of our prayer team here just to come up and join me at the front. Any members of our prayer team just to come up and make themselves available If you're here, I want to pray that God will use you. I want to pray that God will give you the courage to step out, to be more intentional, all right? If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, man, come talk to us. We're not going to try and arm wrestle you into it. I just want to tell you what he's done in my life. I want to tell you, I know we want to tell you what he's done in our lives, how he's transformed our lives. We too were broken once. We too were trying to find our own way. And, And honestly, we tried everything and it didn't work. And Jesus came and he died for you. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your agony. And there's nothing that you can do to, 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 to get yourself out of it. And honestly, chances are you, you're here because you've tried everything else. You will give him a chance. I want to say he died on a cross for you so that you didn't have to die, so that you could live in him. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. And we're here to do that. And we just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for you. But would you bow your heads And let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you. And God, I just want to thank you for the lives here in this church. I want to thank you, God, for their their selflessness, God, for the way that that, that you are using them. God, we recognize we're not perfect people. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back. But God, I want to thank you that you have transformed people in this church in in their love of you and their love of other people. And God, I just pray, Father, for each one of them, especially as this Christmas season goes out, God, would, would you strengthen them? God, would you speak to each person in this place? Would you identify just one person in their lives that you want them to go out of their way just to love on and just to serve and, and just, to, just to minister to, Lord God? And God, would you show them step by step how to do, go about it, Lord Jesus? Would you help pride and flesh not to get in the way, Lord Jesus? And that we may be more effective for you, that we may build your kingdom, Lord God, and lead more people to the amazing knowledge and life that, that, that we have in you, Lord Jesus, that they too would be set free from the chains that bind them. Lord, I, I pray for anyone in this place this morning that does not know you. God, for the, for the darkness and the emptiness that, that overwhelms them, for the holes they feel like they have in their heart, Lord God, that they try desperately to cover up and pretend everything is okay, but inside they're screaming and dying inside. And God, I just pray, Father, that even now as we pray, you would reach down to them, Lord God, that you would even convince them that as I'm praying that they need to come have a conversation with someone up here, that you love them, that you can heal them, that you can set them free, and you can transform their lives. And God, we thank you that they're here. And, and, and we thank you, God, that we, you've allowed us to speak into their lives this morning. And God, we just surrender all of this to you, Lord God. 
And God, we just pray that you continue to use us and move in this church, that we would build your kingdom and only your kingdom, and we bring glory to your name, Lord Jesus, and only your name. We just surrender everything to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. God bless. These altars are open. If you need prayer for anything, we want to encourage you to come and pray. Uh, And before you leave, I just want to tell you this. The board has not yet met since we had that meeting last Sunday after church. We will be meeting on Tuesday. But just so you know, the thoughts of the direction we're going to go right now is this. It's a crazy time to start planning meetings around Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're going to continue to pray that God show us the next step that he has for us. Um, we're gonna, we have to put committees together and thoughts together. And so our plan right now is to begin to brainstorm that and begin to try and launch those things in January. All right? Now, if God comes up and says, hey, here's something, we're not going to tell him to wait till January. All right? We're going to yield to him whatever God does. But that's kind of the direction we're going to go. We want to kind of keep you guys informed of what our plans are. But we'll have a meeting this, this Tuesday. We'll confirm all of that up and we'll keep you guys updated. We love you guys. God bless. And again, these altars are open. Treasures are